Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast, the prequel as we go get ready for a game on Saturday. Obviously, Robbie and I won't be going. Um, You're probably tired of hearing why we're not going, but you know why we're not going. Uh, just not uh, doesn't make sense to go with a, without the ability to talk to players or talk to coaches. We can do it at home, and so that's where we're going to do it. It will be weird again to to not be at a game, but uh, this will be an interesting game. Is this? I, I think it's a huge game for Florida. You know, when we went back, in fact, I just did a radio show out in um, College Station. And they were asking me about what Florida fans thought when Texas A&M popped up on the schedule. And and what I thought was, all right, we knew it was going to be somebody because LSU was already on there. And you knew you were going to get one easy team. You know, and then again, define easy, define hard. But you were going to get an easy team and then you were going to get one of the three hard ones, which would be Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M. Well, Auburn may not be as hard as we thought. And Alabama looks harder than we thought. A&M kind of right there in the middle. I mean, I've said this before, but don't take the A&M loss to Alabama and the way they played against Vanderbilt as what this team is going to be any more than you take uh, what Florida's done offensively or defensively as to what this team is going to be. Look, it's they every everybody's played two games in this conference. We know Alabama's really good, okay? We know Vanderbilt's not good. Other than that, I don't know anything about anything because it is a it's a, just one of those weird years. Uh, in Florida's case, you know, obviously the defense has got to play better. It's not a championship defense right now. And when I say championship defense, I'm referring to winning the East. I'm not referring to winning the SEC as a whole. You don't worry about that now. But you got to win the East. To win the East, you got to win as many games as you can in the conference. I mean, it's it's a pretty simple uh, math equation. The more games you win in the conference, the more likely you are to win the East. Well, this game is just as important as any games in the East. Maybe not as important as Georgia, but it counts the same way. I think it's a huge game. I think it's a game that should make you a little nervous. I, they've got really good players. 
You know, and I'm going to write about this for Saturday's paper. You know, it's not about what Jimbo Fisher's done in the past. It's not about what his record is in top five games or anything like that. It's about what what he does with these players against this Florida team. That's what it's about. And obviously, guys, it, you should be a little nervous going to this game if you're if you're going into it thinking. They'll blow Texas A&M out. I watched the Vanderbilt game. Well, I watched the Vanderbilt game too. And I certainly didn't come away impressed with Texas A&M. The three fumbles were a big factor. They would have won that game fairly easily. And then, of course, against Alabama, they they had a plan to stop the run, but you uh, you can't let those receivers get behind you, and you saw what happened. And it, looked, it ended up getting ugly. Now, that all that said... You know, this is a team that's good enough to beat Florida. I refer to it as a losable game. Now, I didn't. I didn't really feel like Ole Miss or South Carolina were losable games. Now, you can still lose an unlosable game. Ask Appalachian State and Michigan. Ask any of the upsets we've seen. Ask LSU, Mississippi State. I'm sure we went into that game thinking, well, this game LSU is not going to be great this year, but this is not probably a losable game. But this feels like a losable game if they don't play at a high level. And that includes everything. So it makes you a little nervous. Not that Jimbo is on the other side because of his history with Florida. It makes you nervous because Jimbo's on the other side. And he's a really good play caller. Now, I think he is struggling. Again, we're going to have Sam Kahn Jr. on, who knows A&M very well, covers uh, A&M as well as that whole state for – ESPN, so we'll have him on in a little bit. But I think that I think maybe the the kind of the the way these two guys have gone together and what they're trying, what 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 Jimbo's trying to get out of Kellen Mond and what Kellen Mond's trying to get out of Jimbo, they haven't quite meshed as a whole. They could start meshing. We don't know. So it should make you a little nervous about Jimbo being over there. Should make you a little bit nervous about. There, that, that Kellen Mond ha- is a talented guy. Now, he has been kind of a mystery for a lot of us. It should make you a little nervous. Their defensive line's really good, too. Because for Florida, you'd like to see them get the run game going so that it opens more things up in the pass. Now, I say that, and I just watched an entire season last year of a team that struggled to run the ball and still threw it all over the place. So, Perhaps it's not as big a deal, but it is just that kind of game where you where it makes you just nervous enough. It's on the road, even though on the road's not the same as on the road used to be. I think if Florida was playing Texas A&M on the road, 12th man, 100,000 people there, I'm, I probably would pick Florida. I mean, I'm sorry, I would probably pick Texas A&M just because I think it would be a hard place for them to go. And for a lot of these guys, I mean, well, all these guys, other than Kyle Trask, they haven't been there. They don't know what this stadium's like. They don't know what any of it's like. But again, they don't know what Ole Miss was like either. So there's a lot of things that we'll throw at you and throw into the mix as being important. And it's crucial if this happens. It's crucial if that happens. Not all of it's crucial, Okay. It's just not all crucial. Um, and we'll, so we'll just see uh, this game because I think this game is – I think it's a huge game because if you get this win, think about it. You get this win, you're pretty much playing at home 
are in the state for a long time. You know, obviously LSU next week will be a challenge. LSU's, look, no matter what happened in that first game, LSU's still got really good players, okay? And they still have been able to move the ball offensively. It'll be a challenge. Missouri, maybe not so much, but it's a home game. And then obviously we know what comes next. So I think that's why I think this is a big game. It's not a trap game. It's not a a game you could look past. I mean, it's a big game for them and for this team to execute. It's all about them getting the job done. Uh, We'll continue to talk about the defense. We'll also get into a bunch of other things, but it's time for our break. We always take one right here, and so we'll do that again, as we always do. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates, saving members more than a million dollars this year in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. Proud partner of the Florida Gators. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. You know, one theory I have on um, Florida's defense is, and, and again, this is just from Again, watching a game in person is different than watching a game on TV. It is a different animal. You kind of see things a little better. And it's not just the yard markers I was complaining about. They don't tell you where the ball is and all that. It's just you can you can see more about a team. And I'll be honest with you, what I saw about with South Carolina, I thought South Carolina is a better, has better players than I thought they did before going into that game. Now, maybe it didn't translate, but eventually it almost translated. But what I saw was a defense that's not playing aggressive. I saw defenses playing tentatively. You know, there was a couple of plays where they blitzed a middle linebacker and it worked, but then they kind of went away from it. I think they're a little nervous about some things. They're still trying to figure out their best guys to put in the secondary. Who should they put in the secondary? Who should they start? Who should they bring in? Who do they feel comfortable with? Jaden Hill now is starting a corner. They moved Marco over to the to the star. How does how does Marco handle that? Last year he was a star, uh, played that position. Uh, does he handle it well because he knows the position, or does he handle it like, dude, I'm not getting drafted if I'm playing not playing corner. I mean, we don't know what goes through the mentality of these guys, so you know that's a factor as well. But to me, it still comes down to one thing, and that is Florida's defensive line may be what you have to live with all year. And that may not be good because if Florida is 
going to live with this defense that they have right now in terms of the way they have played, I, I don't see this team being a championship team, like I said. I, there are games that they're going to lose, and I, I would see seven and three, eight and two, and that is the difference between this team and a lot of teams in the past at Florida, where you go eight and two with an all SEC schedule and dealing with COVID and not having fans in the stands. That's terrible. Well, that's where where we are with this Florida football team because people really want this team to be the one to be the one that gets over the hump, beats Georgia, wins the East. The funny thing is, there was a time not that long ago, beating Georgia and winning the East wasn't that big a deal. Didn't make you that happy. All we have to do is go back to Jim McElwain. But the reason it wasn't, it didn't make you happy, is because Georgia wasn't very good. A, and B, the way you finished the season was even worse. Losing to FSU, scoring two points in a game against FSU, and then obviously getting not being competitive against Alabama in the championship game and losing a bowl game. Well, they did win the second bowl game. So my point is, there was a time when beating Georgia and winning the East was good, but it wasn't great. Now it would be great. And then, because you look at it and you go, well, if Florida does that, beats Georgia, wins the East, they've got a chance to be in the playoff – they even have a chance to be in the playoff if they don't beat Alabama in the championship game. If 10-0 Florida and 10-0 Alabama play in that title game, both of them are going. They're playing for fun. They're playing for a trophy and confetti and everything, but they're still playing for a chance to move on, as we've seen what's happened in these other leagues. Now, do I expect 10-0 and 10-0? No, I don't expect that. I, I don't I don't know this Florida team's good enough to go 10-0, Okay. They, they have a chance to prove me wrong. They have a chance to prove uh, other people wrong. Because, you know, look, what Kyle Trask is doing is amazing. But even that makes you a little nervous. It makes you just a little nervous, like, God, he's getting an awful lot of hype. You know, and now you go on the road. Okay, it's to the place where you're named after Kyle Field. And, you know, again, it's not like you're going to have tons of family there. <laughs> You have tons of anything there. But I, I think because maybe because I'm just so old and I remember things and things stay with me and I can't get rid of them, I just remember the year that Florida played Michigan State in basketball in the NCAA tournament, second round in Tampa. And Anthony Roberson, who I believe was a freshman at the time, had turned down Michigan State to go to Florida, and you just could sense it. He was going to struggle. He was going to struggle with this whole the whole story. We wrote about it and everything leading up to it. I think he went 0 for 8 in the game. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying Kyle Trask seems to be a different kind of cat, that he's not going to let all that hype get to him. He's not going to let the fact that he's playing in the stadium named after him get to him. He may use it a little bit for motivation, but he's, it's not going to be it's not going to be something that makes him play different than he normally would play. That's the guy that we've gotten to know over these last two years. At the same time, we don't know. We don't know what he's going to do. You don't know what he's going to do. All you can do is wait and see what he does. 
And I think we will. I think we'll all walk away from this game going, okay, I know about Florida now. Because like I said earlier, I know Alabama's really good. I know Vanderbilt's not very good. Everybody else is a bit of a mystery to me. Now, there's different levels of that mystery. The the Florida mystery is up here. The Georgia mystery is here. The Auburn mystery is down here in the middle somewhere. South Carolina, Kentucky, all those 0-2 teams, all those other 0-2 teams in the East are kind of down here. There's still a mystery, though. They could end up moving around. So, like, everybody's a mystery, but I think we'll walk away from this game we'll go, Florida's pretty good. Or, yeah, I, I think that that defensive line's going to be an issue all year. At this point, you know, probably not going to happen. But again, that like last year, going 11-2, and two, winning the Orange Bowl was a great year. Only losing two games this year and not, and and winning if you end up in a, a New Year's Six Bowl, we don't even know how that's going to all work, would not be considered a great year. That's the difference. This team is supposed to be great. And it, it still might be. We'll just have to wait and see. All right. Um, I think I'm going to take a break here now and get to Sam Kahn Jr. Looking forward to talking to him. I may cut this just a little short. <laughs> I'm not going to bore you with the story of how my why my car is in the shop right now, but it was not a fun day today. So I'll, we'll just leave it at that. We'll come back with Sam Con Jr. here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. Okay, welcome back. Duly Noted Podcast. A great pleasure to be joined by Sam Con Jr. from ESPN. Does a great job of covering football out in that wonderful big state of Texas. I wish I was coming out there, Sam, and, and just see for miles and miles and miles. Nothing but open space. Flat though, you can see you can see a long way. <laughs> I remember when we when we went there um, in '012. You know, uh, Texas A&M had not built that addition to the stadium yet. And, and from the press box, I tweeted this. I said, I can see Russia from my press box seat because it, it not, there was nothing for, for miles yeah. and miles. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it's, it's something. especially And now at the top of Kyle Field, if you look outside the press box on the east side now, you can see quite a ways away. It, it's something. There's uh, my, my wife's old office building. Um, you know, she works near downtown Houston, and I'm able to. I I, feel, I can't see Kyle Field, but I feel like if I have binoculars strong enough, I probably could from from downtown Houston, which is about 90 minutes away. Yeah, exactly. That's where we used to stay. Um, I'm I'm wondering what the uh, what the people out there what their reaction was to finding out that Kyle Trask is named after Kyle Field. <laughs> Another reason why people love Texas A&M, right? You yeah. know, they say once once an Aggie, always an Aggie. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, anybody who's been a student at that university, who's been a part of that university, it, it means something different, I think. And, and I've been around a lot of, you know, colleges and college football programs. And, you know, everybody cares for their alma mater. But Aggies are really, really fervent about it. It's really interesting. They, they seem to rally around each other. And, 
you know, you see another Aggie, it, it's a big, they say howdy to each other, you know, they give the gigum and all that stuff. So uh, I'm sure they were super excited to, to hear that because, and, and Kyle Trask is a Texas kid, you know, yeah. he's from, you know, from the Houston area and he's been a tremendous story. I think a lot of people more than anything love his story and, uh, and they're excited to see him. They just want to hope that they can beat him on Saturday. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because, as I said in 12, when we came, went out there, their fans after the game were like, man, that was a fun game, and they lost. And I'm like, oh, you're, mm-hmm. not, you're not in the SEC yet. You're not, you're, <laughs> you got you got to get indoctrinated to how much how mad you are at your coach. So now that we are in 2020, are, are they uh, a little more SEC-ish? Because you're right, it is a different atmosphere out there in terms of the way people treat you. I got a, I got a ton of howdies when I was out there. Yeah, I def- it, it's I mean, I think in some ways a little bit, but for the most part, I, th- I think it's still the same. You know, the last time Alabama came here, I remember hearing a lot of the Alabama fans uh, with some of the same compliments of, you know, how they were treated. Uh, you know, teams that have come here from the East Division that don't come here, like Kentucky came here a couple of years ago. I remember hearing some good things from the Kentucky fans uh, when they made their trip. And I think the hospitality at Texas A&M from a, from a game day atmosphere standpoint is still pretty good. Uh, but they certainly, the expectations for their own team, I think, have definitely raised. And in large part, because of those first two years that they spent in the conference when they went 20-6 and six with Johnny Manziel. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering uh, what what you think. I mean, and again, you can't really say, well, what's gone wrong with Texas A&M? Certainly the first game, I think everybody was trying to figure things out, and, and they got the win. And they were competitive certainly for a long time with Alabama, and then Alabama just put their athletes to work. But what do you think the pro, What do you think the issues are with Texas A&M in terms of going for you know going for the West title, which I don't think is going to happen this year. Yeah, I think there's a few things. First of all, when it comes to this season, before everything changed with the schedule, they were set up really well. I mean, they were looking at a schedule that could have had them at 6-0 and by mid-October. They were only going to have to travel for a true road game once in the first six weeks. Uh, now you have, when you skip, flip to this SEC-only schedule, they moved, that Alabama game was on the back end. Now it's on the front end, and you end up having to go travel to Tuscaloosa in week two. Florida wasn't on the schedule initially. Tennessee wasn't on the schedule initially, which they'll play down the road. So those are things that have added to, I think, a sense of momentum that they felt they had before the season because I think a lot of people around here thought, hey, this team, if they played their cards right, could have been 10-0 and 0 going to the last two weeks of the season against Alabama and LSU. Now that's no longer the case. Now you're playing two of your toughest teams on the front end of the schedule with Alabama and Florida. But as far as the team itself, I think from a personnel standpoint, they're still trying to get there. Like there's, I look at last week's game against Alabama, for instance, and I see some good receivers that Texas A&M has, but I don't know that any of those guys would start at Alabama. And in order to contend for the West title, your talent level has to get there. Jimbo Fisher's recruiting classes have been good the last two years. They've been top ten classes but he's got to continue to stack them three, four in a row in order to get to that level. Uh, I think overall they've made decent progress, but they just still haven't narrowed the gap with Alabama yet. You know, also the, the, the curious case of Kellen Mond is something that we, we talk, have talked about on this show as well. But, uh, you know, it, it feels like you want to see this kid progress, but it, it, he still feels like he's kind of the same guy. Do you think Jimbo 
constant shouting and yelling at him is a factor? <laughs> or, um, some guys can can take that. Some guys can't. Or do you think them trying to make him a pocket passer when he needs to be more of a, a dual threat guy is part of the issue? I definitely think it's the latter. Uh, Kellen takes uh, the coaching that Jimbo gives them in stride, and, and he's been a resilient, poised quarterback. I've been impressed with his development over the last four years as a person and, and just as a leader on this team. Uh, he's been able to really grow into that role. But I, I think personally, and I'm not a coach, but I've seen what Kellen has done both when he was a prep player, you know, before he got to Texas A&M and, and then his first year with Kevin Sumlin when he was a freshman and he was kind of thrown into the fire because they had, you know, an injury at the position. Uh, I think Kellen would benefit from an offense that was a little more loose that would allow him to kind of do what he does best, which is use his feet. You know, he, he's, he is a, I think he's established himself as a really decent pocket passer, much more so than he was when he first got to A&M. I, I think he progressed as a passer quite a bit. But I feel like sometimes Kellen plays robotic because Jimbo Fisher's offense is so complex and it's so intricate, and he's done a good job of mastering it. But I, I, I can't help but think if he was allowed to freelance a little more than he is, uh, if he would be better and we would see a better product on the field. And obviously they've got those two really good tailbacks that, that could give teams fit uh, fits. And they may just, you know, the way Florida's struggled to stop the run, they may just run the ball a lot in this game. They really need to because I think that's one thing. For all the focus that's been on Kellen uh, over the last couple of years, the one thing that has bugged A&M, especially against ranked teams, is how they run the football. Jimbo Fisher's 3-8 and eight against top 25 teams in his three years there, and all eight of those losses are games in which they didn't come close to 150 yards rushing. And the running backs in particular, I think the highest amount of rushing yards they've gotten against a ranked team in a loss uh, from the running backs alone is 66. That's really, really low. And so – They've got to get the running game going. Kellen needs a little help in that regard. But they do have two talented guys, Isaiah Spiller, who's a, a young guy, but he, he's been productive. He's got a lot of experience. He had a 100-yard game to start the season. He's pretty good. pretty good guy. Anaya Smith uh, really is kind of a hybrid. He's a, he, he's a little bit of running back, but they've flanked him out of receiver. He, he's also a factor in the return game. Anaya, in my opinion, is probably their best all-around skill player on offense, and they're going to try and give him the ball as much as they can. And, and, but they've got, they've got to get some guys – uh, they've got to get the running game going, but they've also got to be able to get some guys to stretch the field in the pass game as well. Also, of course, in the state of Texas is that big uh, Plano Little Elm game. You know, I, I, that that to me is a game I'm I'm going to be watching. But some people will be watching Oklahoma Texas, which I'm not sure <laughs> is quite as. I mean, it it is kind of stunning what has happened there. Where where. Texas, again, appears not to be back. Oklahoma, I think we're all a little surprised uh, for them to be where they are. Uh, what's your take on that game? And uh, it's kind of a loser leaves town game, isn't it? It feels that way, certainly. It, it's, it's tough because it, it, in some ways it's – I don't want to call it an elimination game, but in some ways it almost is a de facto elimination game the Big 12 tolerates because uh, if Oklahoma loses and any of those three top teams in the conference win – they're going to be three games back in a conference race with six to go. If Texas loses, they'll be two games back with six to go. And that's a tough hole to climb out of, uh, especially in a unique season as this one. Uh, Texas, I feel like, has a little bit more pressure on it just because this is Tom Herman's fourth year there. 
you know, he had to remake the entire staff in the offseason. There was already a lot of pressure because they fell below expectations last year. You know, Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, I think they'll be fine. This year, to me, I, I, maybe a lot of people on the outside didn't think it, but but having followed the team the last few years, I'm not terribly shocked that they're a little bit down to start just because of how many personnel losses they had. You know, it's not that easy to just plug in a quarterback and expect him to be a Heisman winner every year, despite what Lincoln Riley made it look like the last three years. They've, they've got big depth problems at running back. They lost their two best defensive players in Neville Gallimore and Kenneth Murray, the linebacker on the defensive tackle. Uh, they're without a few players that were suspended for the Peach Bowl uh, in the playoffs, and those suspensions have carried over uh, NCAA mandated into this season. So that's impacted their depth. The offensive line hasn't really gelled in the way they thought it would. There's a lot of issues, but I think a lot of our personnel related that I think probably next year Oklahoma's going to be a little bit better position, especially when Spencer Rattler has another year of experience under his belt. Who is the best college team in Texas? Is it SMU? <laughs> it might be right now. i tell you what, Sonny Dykes has got it growing there. Shane Michelle has done a great job uh, so far. Uh, you know, the, other, the one team that I think has the potential to be good that uh, we haven't seen yet is Houston. You know, Dana Olgerson <laughs> feels really good about the group he's got coming back. And they'll play tonight, Thursday night, against Tulane, so we'll have to see how that ends up. But uh, it's really hard to say right now. You know, the Big 12 itself is hard, but Texas is definitely in a strange place right now because so many of these teams are struggling out of the gate. Yeah, I think Houston is when they go to run out of the tunnel. It goes, okay, are we allowed to? Go? Is it good? Are we are we, are we yeah. allowed to run out of the tunnel? Hey, last thing before I let you go, Sam. I know that your heart took a leap when you saw the uh, as uh, you were very close to Edward as as I was uh, when you saw that cardboard cardboard cutout that the band had put up for him in in the swamp on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, it, it was it was great to see. You know, we've been really fortunate throughout this last year to have a lot of friendly reminders of Ed. You know, we miss we miss the hell out of him. I, I certainly miss him. Uh, from some of the awards, you know, UF, you know, had did a scholarship in his name, which has been fantastic. We had uh, the FWAA it did a, a Rising Star Award, of course, with David Evan won, which was fantastic. That was in Edward's name. Uh, Wright Thompson, I think the very first weekend of the SEC season, Wright Thompson did a fantastic essay about the start of the SEC season that included a, a, an allusion to Edward and, and almost made me tear up that morning. And then the cardboard cutout last week with the Florida band, that was perfect. And, you know, it's, it's right where he would want to be. And with his, you know, with his lapel pin flower, uh, you know, his dapper suit, he's a guy I miss the hell out of. I love him. And, you know, we've been thinking about him constantly here at ESPN, even as we've been in the middle of the season. I remember the day Ed showed up for uh, practice to do interviews in his band uniform because he didn't have time to go home and change, <laughs> which uh, was pretty cool. Uh, he is Sam Kahn Jr. from ESPN. We appreciate his time, as always. We'll be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. All right, welcome back, and appreciate Sam for being on the show. Um Great guy, and and he used to wear carnations in his lapel the way Ed did, and and uh, did I know the last bowl game that he covered, and yeah, we're all still you haven't gotten over it, and it's almost like the reminder there of the Gator Band was so, was so cool, and I, I I was glad they did it, and I just went, but it makes me sad now. I got to be sad part of the day. 
I still think, you know that field that they have over there, that artificial turf field down on uh, Gail Emeron, way down almost to Archer, where the band practices? I think they ought to name that after Ed. They've done a lot of good stuff for Ed, though. He's right. A lot of great things have been done. All right. Let's get to some things in the SEC. We'll get to the spreads and three things. Um, number one, the SEC. No, this isn't three things. All right. But the SEC has, again, come out and said, hey, guys, if you don't wear masks on the sideline, coaches, etc., you're going to lose money. We're going to fine you. We're going to tax your revenue. This isn't over. And and this is something they have been stressing. And it's it's kind of um, – I, I think that there's this perception that uh, – is, is that it? Is that, are we done with this COVID, coronavirus, everything? No more pandemic? Everybody wear, take your mask off. I, and I think we're all guilty. I, I know that there have been times when I've kind of walked – from here to the bathroom and not worn my mask and gone, oh man, what if you ran into somebody and they, you know, you're, 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 you're insulting them. You're saying their life isn't worth anything. So I'm again, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. Some of you get mad when I talk about it, but certainly you better comply in this league because, uh, the commissioner who I have so much respect for, I had a long talk with, uh, Herb Vincent the other day about what a great job that Greg Sankey's done, but, Again, we're not over it. It, it was interesting, too. The, part of the conversation we were having is there was a rumor going around, and actually it was a rumor that was brought to me from somebody at Texas A&M about the uh, possibility of um, the game getting moved time-wise because of Hurricane Delta. Yeah, we're already on the second round of hurricanes. Of course, as you know, LSU-Missouri got moved to Missouri and those poor people in Lake Charles, my friend Scooter Hobbs, I feel bad for him. He just got his house destroyed, or I don't know if it was destroyed, but it was damaged. And he got on furloughed. And now there's another one coming right at him. 2020. It's been not a great year. But there was a lot of talk about the game time getting changed, and so I, I, I checked with two people who I knew would know. The SEC... And Scott Strickland. <laughs> and they said, first we've heard of it. So, And then I saw today, uh, I think it was Billy Lucci tweeted out, um, it looks like the Florida Texas A&M game will remain at noon. I go, her wasn't going to change. Nobody ever wanted to change it. First of all, Florida does not want to play that game any later. They love it where it is. And the reason is, first of all, you now you would, you would you always like those 11 o'clock central games because it takes a crowd in terms of getting lubed up out of it now obviously they're gonna get lubed up because they're in time to get lubed up but there ain't gonna be any, that big of a crowd it'll be around twenty five thousand, i think which will still make a lot of noise they'll make noise twenty five thousand in a basketball ring that's rough you know they now you're more confined than everything so anyway um so they didn't move that game but they did change the time of the alabama game to six thirty. Uh, Alabama Ole Miss. Now, they're messing with my TV schedule there because you got that game going on. You've got, obviously, Miami Clemson, and i got to have that on the main TV Saturday night, right? I want to watch FSU-Notre Dame. There's one other game, an SEC game going on at the same time. And 
We also have three noon games. Now, obviously, I'm Florida's on the big TV. Well, I don't know which one to put on the little TV. And then I got I to gotta totally ignore one. So it's going to be weird for me who loves watching college football. It's just the way I am. It, I am what I am. I am the, fam- the great line from uh, Spinal Tap when the guy is being uh, ripped at the uh, hotel. I am as God made me. Somebody said something really mean to me the other day in an in a email, and that's the way I responded. I am as God made me. And I am. Sorry. Um, okay, so let's talk about some spreads. You know, you guys like to talk about spreads because I'm always curious what they look like. Now, we'll start with the Florida spread, which hasn't really moved much. Seven to six and a half. It's a touchdown spread. If you figure Kyle Field is about a three-point favorite, this is a pretty close game. I mean, no, nobody is sitting here going, oh, A&M's in trouble. Florida, blah, blah, blah. Florida's got Kyle Trask, Kyle Kyle, and all People are looking like, this is going to be a good game. This is why I, I talked about earlier. You're going to find out a lot about your team Saturday. You're going to know a lot more about your team after Saturday's game. The Miami-Clemson spread is 14. Guess who's favor? And I'll tell you, we I asked this question to Jeff Cardozo the other day. Who is this game, who is this Saturday bigger for, Miami or Tennessee? Because Tennessee, obviously, has Georgia. They win this game, all of a sudden everybody looks at Tennessee differently. But it's still bigger for Miami nationally. Because Miami says, with a win over Clemson, they go, we're back. We're officially back. We thought we were back a couple of times. We weren't back. We're back now. Tennessee can say, we think we're, we really believe we're back. We still have a lot of th- work to do. But here's the thing. For both these teams, a loss will, will totally change their season, even though they're playing teams that are better than them. You know, Miami only being a 14-point underdog at Clemson's. And I wonder how that would be different if they had uh, – if they had full a full crowd, but we'll, we'll never know. So Miami, fourteen point underdog. Tennessee is a getting twelve points, twelve and a half actually at Georgia, and um, I, I I know it's a three thirty game, and I'll be working during a lot of it, but I'll have it on. But I cannot wait to see this game. I'm I'm just curious whether Tennessee really is any good. I think they might be better than I thought before the season started. I think they may be better than I think right now. And we're going to know a lot. And again, this goes back to my theory. This is kind of uh, prove yourself week or redemption week or whatever. I don't know what it is. Everybody wants to come up with a name for it. But they're going to find out a lot about themselves. Tennessee is, and so is Georgia. Georgia handles Tennessee. Georgia says, okay, who's next? What? By the way, Florida, just come down. Pump your brakes, man. We're gonna we're, we're still the team. And I think a little bit of that happened last week, but not but this would really change it. Even if Florida beats Texas AM. Um Alabama 23 point favorite over Ole Miss. And I looked it up because I was curious. The over under on this game is 79, and it dropped all the way to 70. And I'm curious why it dropped. Maybe because of the weather. You know, the weather's supposed to come in early, so you'll, it'll probably be a wet field, but it may not be raining there. 
And the fact that, that that's – and again, I, I'm, I'm not ever encouraging anybody to gamble. All I'm saying is it's always interesting to see these spreads. But when you see a line drop nine points in the over-under because of weather, and then they move the game an hour and a half, wait a minute, <laughs> I bet it at 70. I, I Do I get it now it's going to go back up? Anyway, I think Nick Saban is going to have a little lesson for his petulant young friend, Lane Kiffin. As you know, or maybe you heard, um, Kiffin said yesterday – he couldn't cover me if he if he was trying to cover me. And, of course, you know, Saban had funny things to say. And they've been going back and forth all day. But when it comes to this game, they get up, he's going to keep the throttle down. And and Because there are some things that happened when he was at Alabama that, that Saban was not a big fan of. So I would, I would still bet – I would especially at 70, I'd bet the over. Um, by the way, the Texas-Oklahoma over-under is 72. Oklahoma's a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. Total toss-up game. I have no idea. And and that's a game where you really aren't going to find out that much about those two teams. You're going to find out which one's done, pretty much, which one is hoping to get to the Alamo Bowl, but um, the winner is going to kind of breathe a, a sigh of relief. Um other games, LSU, 18 over Missouri. It actually went up when they moved the game to Missouri. Now, I wonder if that's because of weather. Well, it, it, you know, you felt like the game would be a little closer when it was in Baton Rouge. Now it's at, at Missouri. You would think it would go down, right? They're, they're playing the game in front of their home fans. And I wonder what that crowd's going to be like. Think about it. They just found out the other day that they're going to be playing a game there on Saturday. I, I would think they'd give away tickets at that point. South Carolina, 13.5 over Vandy. I think I think South Carolina's – like, I think South Carolina's okay. I don't think they're a good team, but I think they're an okay team. I still think they can get to, like, 4-6, and six, and that's all Will has to do. Will can't go 0-10. Go 0-10, see you. Nice having you. Okay, that's it for the, some of the spreads that we like to give you. I think it's time for three things. It's time for three things. Number one on three things. Um, I was listening to the Braves game the other day, and uh, they were talking about uh, – Kirkton was talking about it. He's really good. About imagine what the Braves could have done when they were really good in the 90s with the bullpen they have now. And at first I started thinking about it, and then I went, Pat, live in the present. It ain't going to do any good. You can't go back and win any of those games. Mark Wohler's can't, you know, still giving up a three-run homer to Jim Lairitz that cost you the 96 World Series, in my mind. But there's a part of me that goes, wow, they, they might have won three or four instead of just the one. Because obviously we know what the starting pitching was like. But the offense is better now, too. And then I went, quit living in the past. But it was an interesting prospect. It's an interesting radio discussion. Um, All right, so that's number one. Number two, the Lakers, uh, I know they play tonight, right? I did watch game four because they won – because the Heat won game three, I go, well, I'll stay up and watch this. And it was disappointing. I, I'm not a Heat fan by any means. They got 
you got Tyler Hero on your team. I'm not going to root for you. Um, but it is amazing the, peop- the people who really dislike LeBron and how he kind of makes them want to dislike him by doing different things, walking off the court after when they were losing that game, complaining on every foul call and every non-foul call. It gets old. But, you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't care whether Pat Dooley in Gainesville, Florida likes him or not. All he cares about is winning championships. And, again, he's going to win another one tonight probably. But I don't like LeBron. I don't like him as a player. I don't like him on the court. I think he does a lot of great things off the court, but not on the court. Yeah, that's me anyway. All right, and number three, we are sitting here and uh, – I think a lot of us are a little bit nervous about what's going on in the NFL. A lot of positive tests. And uh, we were hoping that, you know, it, it, everything seemed to be going so smooth. The NFL right on schedule. Everything's going great. Now you got games being moved, games getting postponed. I've even heard people say that we're, the question is whether the NFL can get through the entire season. And it makes me nervous from a lot, for a lot of reasons. One is, you know me, I like my Sunday NFL. It, it's great. It's always the greatest thing about Sunday NFL is all the stuff that happened the day before is like ignored by the networks on Sunday, and that's fine. I, I, I that list that might pe- more people are going to listen to me. They aren't going to worry about it. But we'll see what happens, and I, I am getting a little bit worried just about the positive tests in the NFL. So we'll see how it goes going forward. That's going to do it. I better find out what's wrong with my car and call my my guy, who is my guy. I'll give him a, I'll give him a plug right here on the radio. All-Star Automotive, man. The guy has always treated us right. Hopefully he's going to call me and tell me, hey, I found out what was wrong with your car. Uh, there was a switch that wasn't on. No, I don't think that's going to be it. All right, so <laughs> we'll get out of here. We appreciate everybody for listening to this uh, podcast. And, again, we'll be back Tuesday to tell you what we thought about the Florida Texas A&M game. Until then, Pat Dooley, the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.